0: So on a day like today, there's nobody that we need to have on this podcast more than the guy who actually broke this story, Hoderbino, Urbino, devilsdigest.com. You know him. You love him. He's, this is appearance number 79 on this fine program. Hode, thank you so much. I know it's been an absolutely hectic day for you after breaking this story. Uh, thank you so much for coming on again.
1: No, my pleasure, Brad. And like I said, uh, 79 times, so it, uh it goes <laughs> without saying that even on a crazy day like this, when you actually interview with the four major stations in the Valley, you will always have room for a Speak of the Devils podcast.
0: Much, much appreciated. So let's dive in for any listeners who might have been stuck under a rock on this Friday. Okay. What can you tell our listeners about Zach Hill's decision to resign, kind of amid, amid the NCAA investigation, you know, almost separate of the other three that we've kind of a foregone conclusion, but Zach Hill, as you broke... Was kind of the thing that caught a lot of folks by surprise
1: yeah and i think it caught a lot of people by surprise for two reasons uh first of all a lot of folks thought that there was any coordinator or assistant coach in general that was going to be the next one to part ways with asu it was going to be defensive coordinator antonio pierce was also the recruiting coordinator for the sun devils um, obviously when you have uh, three assistant coaches that haven't put an admin leave ever since the summer and this, uh, this week or end of last week, actually did officially part ways with ASU. I'm talking about Prattence Gill, Chris Hawkins and Adam Brenneman. Um, it was pretty much a known fact that Antonio Pierce uh, was the directive that those three individuals were working um, and, and, and consequently really got into trouble as a result of that. So um, I don't think anybody really suspected Zach Hill or really any of the other assistants to be Part of those recruiting violation uh, allegations, and this really was almost like a slow drip process, if you will, where um, obviously uh, all the hoopla, for lack of a better term, happens in the summer. The the investigation news uh, comes to light uh, sometime in uh, in mid June, I guess, really was late May when the dossier was submitted to both ASU and the NCAA Uh, a month later. You have uh, Adam Brenneman, the the, uh, former tight ends coach, uh, been an admin leave three days into fall camp. Wide receivers coach Brenton's Gill, defensive backs coach Chris Hawkins, I put an admin leave as well. As I mentioned um, earlier this week, late last week, all three of them officially parted ways with Arizona State, Brent Gill, and Chris Hawkins uh, had the chance to – opportunity, I should say, to either be fired or resign. Both of them elected to be fired. Adam Brenneman did resign. But basically, we haven't heard anything ever since the summer until uh, this week with uh, Zach Hill, who met with ASU along with his lawyer and basically had to tender, tender his resignation since Arizona State uh, did obviously present the findings of the NCAA that much like the other three assistant coaches I mentioned, definitely provided a clear paper trail to Zach Hill uh, being involved in those recruiting violation allegations and basically Arizona State's hands and Zach Hill's hands were, were tied in terms of future employment and, and uh, both, both sides did, did have to part ways. So that's really the surprise because I thought a lot of people thought that Antonio Pierce, maybe even Herm Edwards, would be the next uh, member of the staff to part ways. So Zach Hill uh, actually being uh, the, the, latest, uh, the, the latest coach to do so and not Antonio Pierce and not Herm Edwards, I think uh, is definitely a big surprise.
0: So before we dive into to the others, and as you mentioned, have perhaps some future implications for AP or Herm, uh, let's just talk about this offensive coordinator situation for Arizona State. Now, you reported earlier that uh, recently hired offensive analyst and advisor Brian Billick will not be a candidate for the offensive coordinator position. Uh, where do you expect ASU to go in terms of an OC hire? Does the Removal of the interim tags on Justin Wood and Bobby Wade, kind of ASU throwing out some maybe a, some good news in their eyes uh, among everything else today. Um, do you think that those guys being promoted back to a full-time status um, will signal an internal hire? Or do you think this hire, that it's going to be an outside hire that's going to have to kind of just accept the fact that Wood and Wade are on the staff?
1: It's definitely going to be the latter, Brad, and I know it's definitely unconventional that uh, you would have an offensive coordinator come from the outside and basically be told in a certain term, this is your staff, and you cannot bring any assistant coaches on board with you. Now, it is possible that this new offensive coordinator, whoever that may be, may bring uh, an analyst, but, but none, nobody that's actually going to be an assistant uh, a coach in a full-time capacity. So um, that is uh, something that's definitely a rarity in college football, probably even a rarity in the NFL circles. But nonetheless, um, this whole situation with Arizona State is unique for all, all the wrong reasons. So that's just one more oddity, if you will, of, of, of this process. But, yeah, know, I mentioned uh, from the get-go that Brian Billick was never considered to be the next offensive coordinator. He was not brought on as uh, a, I would say, a heads-up. Uh, by the, that, the Herman Edwards got that Zach Hill was uh, going to have to part ways because of his involvement with the recruiting violation allegations. So uh, I, you know, so anybody thought that that's, that was actual theory of the that personnel move that is actually incorrect. Will Brian Billick be involved in the hiring of the new offensive coordinator? Absolutely, and I think there's a good chance that this hire may come. Uh, through the, uh, from the NFL ranks in, in, in one shape or form just because now you have both Herm Edwards and Brian Billick, who will both obviously have deep ties to the NFL. But this hire is definitely going to be from the outside. It's not going to be an eternal one. It definitely won't be Brian Billick. And we'll see uh, what, uh, what Arizona State can do in terms of uh, really an emergency hire, uh, if you will. This is definitely not the, the time of year where um, you would uh, really be bothered with uh, with hiring assistant coaches, especially especially coordinators. Uh, not to say it doesn't happen, but let's say it happens even ha- has happened even less ever since the institution of the early signing period in December. We absolutely saw a flurry of activity from assistant coaches uh, switching teams, uh, going to the NFL, coming from the NFL to college during that month. But really, in late January, even before a signing period in February, which definitely has lost a lot of its luster, and with Arizona State, it's going to be quieter than ever. You don't expect to have that much movement concerning offensive coordinators. So it uh, definitely would be a challenge, obviously, not only the time of year, but also this NCAA investigation cloud that's hanging over ASU to get a really high-caliber coordinator. But let's see if ASU uh, has uh, some rabbit uh, out of their hat that they that they can pull and uh, have an offensive coordinator that is not going to be less of a caliber than Zach Hill was.
0: Well, if they are going to pull from the NFL ranks, I'm more than happy to get rid of Matt Canada from my Steelers because uh, yeah, <laughs> anybody anybody can have him. Uh, you know, looking more specifically about this offense, obviously a lot of fans were upset throughout the course of the season just given the consistent struggles ASU had all year long. Uh, and then there's a lot of talk coming off of that about perhaps the relationship between Zach Hill and quarterback Jaden Daniels not being great. Uh, what impact do you think Hill's resignation may have on the future of uh, Jaden Daniels?
1: Look, I, I think just in general, Brad, when you talk about the state of this ASU program, you can expect anything and everything, and the timing of, of all these events might be even more unclear than actually what's gonna happen. So there's definitely one school of thought that, and I do agree with, with what you mentioned, the premise that the relationship between Zach Hill and Jaden Daniels has been far from pristine. Uh, obviously, the, the passing game struggles, that maybe you had the COVID excuse for lack of a better term in 2020 to attribute to that. Now that you had a normal season and those uh, passing, uh, passing game struggles did not really correct themselves. And Jaden Danielson was not able to put up uh, better numbers than, than he did in, than he did in 2020 when he just figure, you know, four games versus a full season. I think that uh, there's definitely something to be said about not having a conducive relationship between both sides. I really don't think that, one side is more at fault than the other. And there's definitely something to be said of Jaden Daniels now entering his fourth year as a starter in the Pac-12 and needing really to up his game. But uh, I, I'm not oblivious to the fact that the chances of Jaden Daniels possibly elevating his game in 2022 were going to be much harder with Zach Hill at the helm, unless it was going to be some kind of major epiphany in both sides really would just have a relationship that would experience a very positive 100, 180 degree turn so yes you like to think that on the surface uh Jaden daniels uh would be happy and i know he would never say publicly that zach hill is not here anymore and that herm edwards really understands the gravity of the situation not only not only as it relates to Jadine Daniels, just relates to the asu offense as a whole and he would make sure that he So in hopes that he would really, I guess, land more of a bullseye in terms of a personality compatibility, a scheme compatibility between uh, Jaden Daniels and the new offensive coordinator. So you can definitely look at that aspect. But on the other hand, look, I don't think anybody would blame Jaden Daniels if he's having second thoughts right now about the whole future um, of the program. I mean, here he is uh, for the last month and a half kind of conditioning himself like, okay, I'm, I'm going to have the same offensive coordinator in Zach Hill in 2022. Someway, somehow, I'm going to have to make it work. And now when you have a new offensive coordinator that might come totally, totally out of left field, uh, being, being that's an outside hire, but now you just have all the whispers of what's going to be the future of Antonio Pierce? What's going to be the future of Herm Edwards? Are one of them or both of them actually going to be on the sidelines when the 2022 season kicks off? And with Jaden Daniels, the clock is kind of ticking in terms of the transfer portal because uh, even as a graduate student, it still would behoove him to actually lead, to enter the transfer portal if he wished to do so, and I'll stress that. But if he wished to do so, to enter it and, and, and enter before May 1st. Now, spring practice is scheduled to end, uh, I guess, the, the third week of March or, or, or approximately around that date. So maybe he still has a little more time to decide after that, obviously, with a new offensive coordinator, in place during spring practice to maybe have a better grasp, a better picture of uh, where where his future uh, really lies in terms of being a successful future. Because make no mistake about it, Janie Daniels wants to enter the 2023 NFL draft, and uh, he definitely wants to do, definitely wants to do do so on a high note. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to see uh, what Jaden Daniels is going to decide. I'm not inclined to believe that he has an itch right now to leave Arizona State. But a lot of it is going to depend, and I know this is stating the obvious, who the new offensive coordinator is going to be and how is spring practice going to go for both sides? Is it really going to be more of a synergy, more of a, more of a conducive for success relationship between Jenny Daniels and the offensive coordinator? Or is it really going to be, at least in Daniels' mind, uh, more of the same? And you might, you, might, you might as well cut loose because even if somebody like Daniels enters the portal at a very late stage of the cycle, if you will, uh, I think there's still a, a, a good chance, if not a very good chance, that not only did, not only get, does he get picked up by an FBS team, but he'll get picked up by a Power 5 program. So uh, there's definitely a lot for Jaden Daniels, I, I, I think, to think about. But I really also feel that it would be hasty for him to make any moves before he knows who the offensive coordinator is and before he goes for a whole spring practice with that uh, new position coach.
0: Now, it was took nobody by surprise that uh, Prentice Gill, Chris Hawkins, and Adam Brenneman's tenures were officially ended this week, uh, having been put on paid administrative leave uh, since last summer. The writing was on the wall. But as mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, you know, ASU has already been uh, active in trying to fill those roles. Uh, Aaron Fletcher out of Mizzou was uh, hired recently to take over the defensive backs. And then Justin Wood and Bobby Wade had the interim tags removed. Uh, were those latter two moves of, of Wood and Wade, do you feel, made more out of convenience and just trying to maybe maintain a sense of continuity? Or do you feel that their performance this past season in those interim roles warranted it?
1: Well, I mean that's an interesting question, and I think there's maybe somewhat of a combination of both. Uh, I mean, sure, it's a hiring of convenience, and Arizona State, if they felt that maybe they had an offensive coordinator on staff that the, that could fill the shoes of Zach Hill, I, I think I think they also would go that direction because. It's no secret that when you have an NCAA investigation cloud hanging over your head, it is really, really hard to land quality assistance. And in that regard, I absolutely agree that elevating Wood and Wade to full-time status and, and really getting that interim tag removed uh, definitely definitely made a lot of sense. And I would say it really was commendable that I think ASU made quite the hire with, with Fletcher as, as a defensive backs coach you know, come, coming from an SEC program, and uh, he's uh, somebody that really sought out uh, ASU, and that's how the connection started uh, be, between uh, b- uh, both parties. And I'm really curious to see how well he does in spring practice and, and, and beyond. In terms of just having success in 2021 that would lead ASU to retain both Wood and Wade, look, I don't think I would be too harsh saying that the passing game Uh, was what was below average some would even say way below average so i don't know if anybody can come here and say that bobby wade did a great job as a as a wide receivers coach is it unfair and really harsh to talk about an individual that assumed the wide receivers coach three days into fall camp i didn't have the luxury to have a month before our full camp to prepare for it. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's definitely, there's definitely some validity to that. Um, I feel that Herm Edwards and maybe some other key members of the staff believe that Bobby Wade did the best he could under very adverse circumstances. And now that he's going to have a full normal season with the wide receivers, maybe this group can really elevate its game. And it's a group that was still somewhat young in, 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 in 2021. I wouldn't say totally wet behind the years, but not a seasoned group. And there's really no more excuses, I think, for this unit in 2022 not to perform at a, at a higher level. I mean, sure, that is also dependent on Jenny Daniels in his game. Obviously, first and foremost, depends on the new offensive coordinator and how, what kind of scheme he tries to employ, how he meshes personally uh, with with with, with uh, the quarterback and, and the wide receivers. Because I heard that also the relationship that was somewhat fractured between Daniels and Hill. Wasn't only regulated Daniels that there were there were some fractured relationships in Hill and other members of the offense, uh, namely a, a lot of the wide receivers. And if you if you want to throw in another key uh, offensive player, you probably can throw in uh, Chip Traynham uh, and the, yeah. the lack of carries that he got, especially towards the end of the season. I'm sure that was uh, first and foremost a decision by Zach Hill. So now when you just have a uh, fresh face in there. Uh, can really help not only Jaden Daniels, but the entire offense, and by default can help can help Bobby Wade. As far as Justin Wood, it's really interesting because Justin Wood actually came as an analyst along uh, along with Zach Hill, and it really was a battle between him and Adam Brenneman to replace Donny Antis as, as a tight ends coach. Brenneman won because of his recruiting prowess, which uh, is, is obviously ironic uh, when you see the circumstances of him resigning his post at, at, at Arizona State. But when Justin Wood entered uh, I don't think he was really less professional uh, than than Adam Brennerman. He wasn't. I don't think he was uh, less um, competent in just in just teaching uh, the the ins and outs of what it takes to be a, a good a good tight end. I thought Curtis Hodges uh, as a leading receiver to tight end uh, did well. Jalen Conners uh, definitely definitely saw some flashes over there, and I know that uh, the Justin Wood is very very excited about the tight end group uh, that he has at his disposal, and I think I mentioned this um, on a previous podcast, uh, look, look out for, the, for Jacob Newell, who's a, who's a freshman tight end that is going to arrive here in the summer. Uh, he's someone that uh, teams in the Northwest, such as Oregon and Boise State, were really beating themselves uh, for for not uh, recruiting him or not recruiting him as hard as Arizona State did. There was a Polynesian All-American Bowl, and, uh, and Newell uh, performed really, really well um, over there, just Enhance the narrative that uh, ASU really got a steal there. So I think Justin Wood, uh, for good reason, is really pumped up about this tight ends group. I think quietly under the radar, this might be one of the stronger groups by far on this entire Sun Devil squad on either side of the ball. So with Justin Wood, I would say that he definitely showed uh, some flashes or maybe even more than just a few flashes of being a very good coach in 2021. And uh, with him, I think it was definitely an easy decision to retain him as a tight ends coach. I'm really excited to see what this tight uh, tight ends group can do, especially if the passing game as a whole can improve. And again, that really depends with the new offensive coordinator that's absolutely going to make or break the Jaden Daniels performance and the wide receiver's performance for that matter.
0: Anytime there's a change to a coaching staff, there are always perhaps some concerns at varying levels that fans might have about an impact to commitments or or recent additions. Uh, Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that, you know, in terms of the transfers rather than signing a national uh, letter of intent. They just have uh, the grant-aid paperwork that basically binds a school to them, but not so much them to the school. But once they start attending classes during a semester, that kind of fills that binding role. Um, should ASU fans be maybe concerned about any kind of potential loss to any kind of recent additions or potential, recent or potential additions down the road?
1: I really don't believe so when it comes to the transfer portal players because as you know, the NCAA does grant players who entered the portal for the first time to have immediate eligibility with their group. But if you have a player that is already enrolled in taking classes at Arizona state, which as you mentioned a second ago, that does now bind them to the school, even though they signed a, they signed a grant in aid form rather than a traditional letter of intent. Now, if for some reason player X or player Y said, you know what? I don't feel comfortable because of uh, the resignation of Zach Hill. I want to, I want to seek a, a different program. Well, they can do so. But even if they did so before before May 1st, which is the deadline, now they're going to have to sit out uh, the 2022 year with their new team unless they got granted a waiver by, by, by the NCAA. And this whole immediate eligibility out of the transfer portal is really a new premise for the NCAA. And I don't know if there really have been any cases uh, that might be similar to ASU or potentially similar to ASU if one of the transfers uh, into the Sun Devils decided to leave the program but could still get a waiver to immediately be eligible for the, for the 2022 season. So I think it might be really kind of rolling the dice for any, any of these transfers to leave it, to leave the program right now or just do so in general before May 1st. Now, getting out a letter of intent, that's usually something that is more of a sure thing as much as a sure thing can be in terms of uh, uh, getting a waiver from the, from the NCAA if a head coach is the one that actually left the program. But if it's, if it's at a coordinator, uh, that is is somewhat of a rarity. Now, obviously you always have the uh, possibility of a team just deciding to release a player that no longer wants to be with the team, even though they signed a letter of intent. I, I mean, that is the, the, the classy thing to do, even though it really hurts uh, the, the, the program in the short term. Short term, if not in the in, in the long term, so I don't know if there's any player that I could say right now is in major danger of uh, of transferring or leaving the program. And I don't think that you know it's, it would be something that's e- easy to ascertain, especially with the news of Zach Hill being 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 so fresh right now. But I would say, just generally speaking, maybe you should worry more about the players that signed a letter of intent, the junior college transfers, the high school players rather than the guys that went into the transfer portal, because on the surface, it seems like the transfer portal guys would would have a harder time after enrolling at ASU taking classes now to enter the portal again and still be eligible in 2022. It seems to be uphill battle, but the NCAA for good or for bad is very unpredictable when it, when it gives out waivers. So who knows if they won't, uh, be, um, really exercise a lot of Liberty with, uh, transfer portal guys uh, from ASU or from either other schools, for that matter, that uh, do decide uh, to enter the portal after being enrolled in their new school and still being uh, um, being eligible uh, in the 2022 season.
0: Now, before we end uh, with talking about Herm and AP, another thing that has been kind of popping up here and there during the course of this ongoing saga has been the Twitter feed of Chris Hawkins. Um, you know, for people who maybe like to read into things a little bit and seen some subtweets tweets there. Uh, most recently, after the after ASU made the hire of Aaron Fletcher official, basically taking Hawkins' spot, he made a, he tweeted out a GIF of Omar of the Wire, uh, a scene that basically preceded when he was about to testify. And and kind of maybe flip on some former associates. Um, at this point, now that the official relationship between Hawkins, Gill, and Brenneman has been severed, is there any worry, or should ASU fans be, and the, and the people within the program certainly, be worried about p- possible um, testimony, cooperation, corroboration um, from these three now former coaches in the case against Arizona State football?
1: Yeah, absolutely, Brad. I think that everything is really on the table right now. I don't think there's there's any aspect of this incident investigation that has like any you know absolute uh, certainty uh, in a positive manner for Arizona State, if that makes sense. So for Chris Hawkins, Brenton Skill, Adam Brenneman to actually have an interview with the NCAA and, as you mentioned, just testify uh, against some other members of the coaching staff to tell them exactly exactly what happened, I think that's absolutely I'm absolutely on the table. You know, it's only Chris Hawkins knows if he's really uh, planning to fully follow through with that and um, implicate Herm Edwards, implicate Antonio Pierce, implicate any other staff member at at, at Arizona State. Uh, that, that that remains to be seen. But uh, but I think I think it's absolutely absolutely a possibility. And look, I mean, ultimately those uh, three coaches that were that put on admin leave in the summer. They acted under the direct of Antonio Pierce. None of them. Did anything? Uh, you know, 100% uh, keeping Antonio Pierce and/or from Edwards in the dark. I have, I, I know for a fact that both Edwards and Pierce maybe didn't know each and every recruiting violation allegation that took place, but they knew some of it, and I, I would say even Antonio Pierce probably knew the majority of. It. So the, the, they're going to haven't been kept in the dark, and I think it's really been the assumption from day one, and I think as time went by, that assumption just really becomes more and more of a fact that there's no way on God's green earth that either whom Edwards or Antonio Pierce are going to be absolutely skating free after this NCAA uh, notice of allegation does, you know, does come down. Now the question is, is the case with one or both of them going to be a Zach Hill slash Prattens Gill, uh, et cetera, et cetera, situation where ASU is not even waiting for notice of allegation. They're just getting a, Report, if you will, from the NCAA saying, look, this is the paper trail that is leading towards the recruiting violations by Herm Edwards or by Antonio Pierce or by any other staff um, member. I mean, I I talked to somebody on the team earlier and he said, look, there's three assistants right now that absolutely are not going to be implicated no matter what. Those are obviously Justin Wood and Bobby Wade, who would never would be named full time assistants if they were um, implicated or there was any. Suspicion that they were going to be um, implicated in the future, and and Mike Kavanaugh, the offensive line coach, just because he arrived um, pretty late after the storm, if you will. So, um, and anything, anything, and everything is on the table. I mean, I know, I know, uh, I'm not, I know, I'm not trying to belabor that point, but I think you know, Chris Hawkins, Franz Gill, Adam Brennerman, Zach Hill, at this point, uh, really uh, providing some damning evidence, uh, either either verbally or act, or actually hard cold evidence in terms of, you know, print, screen, text messages, whatever, to the NCAA, that is definitely, definitely a possibility. Some would even say a very, very uh, a very plausible scenario. And that uh, really really puts in jeopardy, I, I would think, the future of both Herm Edwards and, and Antonio Pierce. I don't think anybody should be shocked, Brad, if one of those individuals, at a minimum, is not going to be on the sidelines when, when, when the 2022 season kicks off. Now it's just a matter of who is it going to be, when exactly it's going to happen, uh, how soon before the season can you replace either a head coach or defensive court that everybody would love to know the answer for. And that is, and that's just one more measure of uncertainty with, uh, with, with, this mess right now that is ASU football. And I know, I know you didn't ask him specifically, Brad, but I think, I think, I think director Ray Anderson uh, cannot feel good about, uh, good about his own job security. Now, I think it would be absolutely ludicrous for University President Dr. Michael Crow to fire Ray Anderson in the same calendar year as as a Herm Edwards and potentially Bobby Hurley, which you know I know you didn't mention or bring up, but uh, he's uh, right now headed to a back-to-back sub, sub, uh, sub 500 season, and who who knows what it, what what his future looks like looks like at Arizona State? Who knows if Ray Anderson? feels compelled to make a move over there, maybe to take the heat off of him, maybe to take the heat off of Arizona State football, which I don't think is really possible. But, you know, you never know what the uh, motives are of of an athletic director or just any, or just any individual in the, in general. So, again, I mean, to answer, a, a long answer to, uh, I know, a simple question, but I think that um, anything can happen in terms of evidence against, Current uh, ASU staff members, and I would even throw uh, Ray Anderson in there. Aside from uh, just, just the football uh, football staff at large, and uh, it's going to be uh, real interesting to see uh, what the NCAA does, uh, does does with that does with that evidence um, in in the long term when the notice obligations that does come down. And again, does ASU even wait for the notice obligations to even part ways with Herm Edwards and Antonio Pierce?
0: And lastly, you know, you, you, there's been so much talk about, you know, now that 40 percent of Herm's staff from, you know, this time a year ago basically has turned over as a result of the uh, investigation and, and kind of black cloud hanging over it. And a lot of folks are wondering, you know, if these guys are can, are being punished for their roles, how can the leadership, notably Herm Edwards and Antonio Pierce, who by all accounts seems to be kind of the, the trigger man of the whole situation still have jobs. And you mentioned, you know, Ray Anderson is somebody who's obviously been under fire a a lot. And now with this tie, where do you expect Michael Crow to go? Obviously, somebody who's very concerned with the perception of his university, having this level of dysfunction in the premier sports uh, program that he oversees.
1: Well ultimately Brad I think we just have to we have to look at at the precedents and more importantly we have to look at, at the legalities of this. We already know that Friends Gill is planning to file a, 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 a wrongful a wrongful termination suit. And I can only imagine that uh, the fact that he acted under the under the direct directive of Antonio Pierce and indirectly under the, uh, under the directive of Herm Edwards is probably going to be his his biggest uh, point of contention in the lawsuit against in the in the lawsuit against ASU. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you're you're absolutely right that, you know, Michael Crow could decide that the situation is really so bad right now that you have to show some kind of measure of urgency in trying to fix this, you know, as soon as possible. And Look, it's not ideal to look for a head coach and a defensive coordinator and now an offensive coordinator, too, in the last week of January, first first week of February. But maybe if you're Michael Crow, your your hands are really tied. Now, when it goes back to the precedence and and the legal aspect of this, all of the four assistant coaches that have parted ways with ASU to date are just four individuals that had an absolute rock-solid paper trail of evidence against them. And it would be really almost, I guess, spitting in the NCAA's face knowing that this Cold, hard mounting evidence is showing all those four assistants in the wrong and, 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 and still not doing anything. So I guess the plausible theory is that the linkage of the damning evidence to guys like Herm Edwards and Antonio Pierce at this point is not strong enough for Michael Crow to take action right here or right now or let's say in the next week or two. Now, obviously, those circumstances can change. Whether it's a more evidence uh, come, come, coming to light uh, by the NCAA, whether it's somebody like Chris Hawkins who who makes good on his uh, so-called—I um, don't want to say threat—that's probably the wrong word to use—but uh, his his intentions, but probably a better term in terms of uh, him testifying against against the Arizona State football program. So I can see Michael Crow. From a legal standpoint, if he knows that he does not have to wait for step allegations to part ways with Herm Edwards to part way with Antonio Pierce, I think I, I think he would absolutely do that. He would not he would not really uh, just you know wait to, wait wait for the inevitable. But if he has to, from a legal standpoint, just really wait for the nose allegations to come down, and that uh, document, which I'm sure is going to be a lengthy one, does implicate in no uncertain terms. Both uh, the involvement of Herm Edwards and Attorney Pierce in these uh, recruiting violation allegations, I think at that point is is obviously going to make a move. But to answer your question does does he wait that long? How long does he wait? I think it's just all a matter of legally what move can he do where he's going to actually cover cover all his bases? Because some people would say maybe he didn't cover all his bases because Brendan Gill right now is is threatening a wrongful a wrongful termination lawsuit which obviously uh, obviously in in entitled to do i'd like to think that the ASU uh, group, group of group of uh, of general counsels definitely did their homework and definitely showed michael crow and Ray anderson for that matter probably that there is so much evidence against somebody like prince gill or 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 so much evidence that is against the other three other assistants that was absolutely prudent to, to to part ways with with those, with those individuals so again if uh, legally uh, Michael Crow is going to have the am- ammunition to pull the trigger, then yes, I think uh, I think he will do so. But the timing of that is uh, is, re- is really, really up in the air. And again, uh, do you wait for the no- notice of allegations, which you would hope by the end of the summer would, would come to light? Uh, or, do, or do you really, really take action before that if legally you, you can be covered? To me, that's really the crux uh, of that whole um, answer to the question. Are we going to see Herman Worth and/or and Turner Pierce on the sidelines when the 2022 season kicks off?
0: It's called Always Something University for a reason, folks. It's never dull in Tempe. A lot of things are going on right now. A lot of things are going to go on in the coming days, weeks, and months. And there's really no better place to keep abreast of all the breaking news than in the huddle on DevilsDigest.com. Ho does and his staff does an incredible job of getting the inside scoop on all this stuff and what might be coming down the pike. Uh, Hode, as always, thank you so much. Uh, We'll be talking to you here in a couple days for our signing day show, which is probably going to be a very different look than we've had in the last like 10 years or so. But uh, always great to talk to you, my friend.
1: No problem, Brad. It might be a short signing show, but let's let's not put a time limit on it. Let's come up with other topics to fill the time.